Well, it is Pentecost. It is uh, 50 days uh, since uh, Easter. And uh, it's a funny one, Pentecost, isn't it? It's a little bit confusing. Uh, It's not quite like one of the bigger festivals, you know, Christmas, Easter. Uh, We don't quite know uh, what to do do with it. And uh, the event itself is rather confusing, isn't it? Uh, We saw that uh, in our reading. Uh, it's a little bit like watching, uh, I don't know if any of you had the misfortune to, but uh, last week you might have seen that uh, seven-way uh, party leader uh, debate. And it was just a bit confusing, wasn't it? You've got seven people uh, trying to say something uh, all at once. And it's completely confusing, and uh, you don't even know who's saying what, really. Uh, it's like that. Uh, no one knows what's going on. It's confusing. Uh, what do we see? We see uh, rushing winds. Uh, We see fire coming down and resting uh, on people's heads. Uh, We see uh, the followers of Jesus speaking in all sorts of different languages. Uh, And rightly so, uh, at the end of our reading, verse 12, the people say, uh, and they were all amazed and perplexed, and they said to one another, what does this mean? Uh, a perfectly valid question, I think you'll agree. What, what on earth is going on? Uh, what does this mean? And of course, someone comes up with a possible explanation, verse 13. Uh, they must be drunk. They must be filled uh, with new wine. That's the only possible explanation uh, for what's uh, going on. Uh, well, Peter uh, is quite clear that's not what's going on. And he wants to tell us uh, about what really is going on. What does this uh, mean? And we're going to see tonight uh, three meanings. Uh, There's more meanings to Pentecost than just three, uh, but we're going to look at three tonight, uh, and hopefully there'll be an encouragement uh, to us. Now, if, like me, uh, you might have been thinking this week, uh, you might have been thinking to yourself, um, how on earth did this man possibly become president of the United States? Now, of course, uh, like me, you were watching uh, Series 5 of House of Cards, uh, which has just been uh, released uh, this week. Um, It's the story of uh, Francis Underwood, uh, ambitious senator who rises to become president uh, of the United States. And uh, if you were just to tune into Series 5, you'd have no idea what's going on. How on earth did this man uh, become uh, President of the United States? Um, It it started off as fiction, but it's increasingly difficult to uh, (laughs) distance reality from satire at the moment. Um, How on earth did he come to be in this position? Well, the only way you can know is to watch Series 1 to 4, and uh, let me commend that to you. It's fantastic. But you need to start at the beginning to know what's going on now. And that's true of Pentecost as well. You need to go right back to the beginning to understand what's going on. So we'll do that. Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning. What does God want people to do? He wants people to go and fill the earth, to bless the earth, to populate the earth, and to tell people about the great God who has created all things. Uh, to be a blessing to the whole world. Uh, That's what God wants. And uh, it happens a little bit, um, but there's also lots of bad stuff going on too. Um, Then we get to a famous story in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Uh, You might remember what happened. Um, The people were heading east. They were heading away from the Garden of Eden. And uh, they were heading to fill the rest of the earth. Uh, And they got to this plain, this plain called... um, uh, Shinar. And they said, 
do you know what, actually, uh, this is all a bit hard work, isn't it, going out and filling the earth. Let's just stop. Let's stay here. Let's build a big city and build an enormous tower up to the heavens. Uh, that's what we'll do. Uh, you might remember the story. Uh, and, and God comes down. Uh, we're told that God almost kind of stoops down to see this little uh, tower they're building down here. Uh, and God says, this isn't how it's going to be. I don't want you to stay here and build a city. I want you to fill the earth and bring God's blessing to the whole world. So God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down, I'm going to scatter you, and I'm going to confuse your languages. They used to all speak one language, but I'm going to confuse your language. You're going to speak all sorts of different languages so that there's no point in your gathering together. You may as well spread out and go and fill the earth. Uh, that's what God wanted, that's what God uh, did. And so what we see at Pentecost is, if you like, a reversal of what happened at Babel. If Babel was about God uh, confusing the languages, Pentecost shows languages coming back together, languages being united. A miracle takes place here. Uh, We're told there's about, um, uh, we're told in chapter 1, there's about 120 uh, followers of Jesus. This is more than just the kind of 12 disciples, this is a bigger group. Uh, But they're gathered together. And uh, we're told they're uh, people from Galilee. Um, Now Galilee, when it says these Galileans, it's a bit of an insult really. Uh, These are kind of uh, the commoners, the the rural folk, you know, the the people from up north. Um, Uh, Crawley is what I mean by north. The people from up north. And um, to be honest, we can barely understand what they say in their own language, let alone speaking all these weird and wonderful uh, languages. It's a miracle. It's not a miracle of hearing. I I used to think that they were all speaking some kind of um, gobbledygook. And the miracle was that um, everyone just happened to hear. No, the the text seems pretty clear that the miracle is these 120 followers of Jesus all suddenly burst into all sorts of different languages from around uh, the known world. Uh, These guys would have probably uh, only spoken... um, They'd have spoken Aramaic and Greek, probably. That's probably what they'd have spoken. Uh, And they suddenly burst forth into all sorts of different uh, languages. At verse 6, it says, Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. At verse 11, We hear them telling in our own tongues uh, the mighty works of God. And there's all sorts of people from all around the world that are hearing this. Um, there's a big list of uh, funny old places, isn't there, uh, from verse uh, 9. Uh, and if you like, um, uh, Luke here is uh, taking us around the globe, taking us around the Mediterranean. Um, so he talks about uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, people from Mesopotamia. And if you like, that's over here. And that is uh, Iran and Iraq. That's all the countries around there, Iran and Iraq. And then he talks about uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia. And that's all Turkey today. That's Turkey. So that's Iran, Iraq, uh, Turkey. Uh, Then we've got um, Judea. Uh, which probably is talking about the whole of Syria and Israel. And so that's down... I've lost track of my map now, but that's somewhere down here. Uh, And then we've got uh, Egypt, 
Uh, Libya, Cyrene, that's North Africa. Yeah, North Africa down here. Um, then we've got Rome, that's Italy. Uh, Cretans, that's Crete. Um, and we've got Arabians, which um, is probably uh, what today is uh, northern Saudi Arabia. So you think e- Egypt and then down here, yeah. Okay, we've got it. So what he's doing is he's showing that all around the kind of Mediterranean basin, or all of the known world, they're all there. They're all gathered for Pentecost. And they all speak all sorts of different languages. But they all hear the mighty works of God. They all hear in their own language. You see, what happens is that Babel is reversed. Babel, the confusion of language. Uh, But here, just for a moment, everyone understands in his own language. The people are united as they hear the good news of the gospel, as they hear about the mighty works of God. Babel is reversed that event from uh, way back in time, uh, that for a moment is reversed. Uh, But also in the same event, uh, it looks forward. It looks forward. So we've we've done Genesis. Um, Let's think about Revelation over here. Final book of the Bible. You see, what's pictured is God's kingdom. What's pictured is what we see in Revelation chapter 7, Uh, where we're told that God's kingdom is made up of people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every uh, language. Pentecost is a little picture of the coming kingdom. Of the coming kingdom when uh, people from all across the world who know and love the Lord Jesus will be in his kingdom. Uh, Babel reversed and God's kingdom uh, pictured. Uh, So what does all this mean? This uh, reversal of Babel, this uh, picturing of God's future kingdom. Well, let me suggest this. We should expect to see more diversity in our churches. We should expect to see more diversity in our churches. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, I I don't for a moment think that a church in Linfield is going to look more diverse than the community of Linfield itself, uh, which in the big picture is not very diverse, let's be honest. But the reality is, our churches could and should be more uh, diverse. Uh, Whether it's um, uh, where we're from, geography, what language we speak, Uh, whether it's um, how much money we've got, Uh, what kind of education we've had, what we like doing, our hobbies. It it strikes me that um, not just in Linfield, but uh, churches like ours um, are predominantly white and middle class. Now, let's be honest, that's true of Linfield. But actually, even Linfield has diversity. We should expect our churches to be more diverse. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the work of the Spirit um, in the life of the church. And he talks about there being uh, one Spirit who has uh, united us, uh, whether Jew or Greek, or slave or free. 
so what he does is he takes um, two huge areas of divide, uh, Jew or Greek. Uh, such a big uh, religious, uh, social, cultural divide, which in the past there was, no, uh, there was no breaking through that. Such a big division. Uh, and Paul says the Spirit has united those two diverse groups together. Uh, similarly, slave or, or free. Perhaps the biggest uh, cultural, economic diversity. Slave, men, free men. Uh, you've been united by one spirit. Uh, those two massive divides in the ancient world uh, brought together. And yet still in our churches today we have little divides. Class. Some people think class doesn't exist anymore. I think it does. And I think in our churches there can be a big uh, divide. And yet here we're told the Spirit of God has brought together polar opposites to be united in one church. Let's expect for, let's pray for, let's welcome more diversity into our churches. Secondly, we should expect to see more unity in our churches. More unity. Uh, And I use the word more here because I do believe there is some diversity and there is some unity. But we should expect to see more unity. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the work of the Spirit in the church again. And he talks about the unity of the Spirit. The fact that uh, Christian people are united by this one Spirit. He then goes on to talk about the unity of faith. That we believe the same things. And that our head is Christ. That together we are all united under the Lord Jesus. Now Paul is saying this is the unity that we expect the Spirit of God to do in our churches. Churches in the ancient world which were full of uh, different things which would have divided them. But they were united by that one Spirit. Let's expect, let's pray for, let's work hard for more unity. Next thing. Uh, we're going to look at the next section. We're going to look at uh, verses 14 uh, to 21. Now, in response to that question, what's this all about? You'd think Peter would just give you a simple answer, wouldn't you? But no, he goes and quotes uh, some obscure bit of the Old Testament which we're perhaps not familiar with. He quotes from the prophet Joel. Uh, And I'd suggest we're probably only really quite familiar with it because he quotes it here. Uh, What's this all about? Well, let's see. uh, Verse 14. Uh, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. uh, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, I don't know, perhaps like me, you're fed up with uh, political slogans. Uh, but I was trying to think, I was trying to get all my uh, three points to be party political slogans. I could only come up with one which fitted, unfortunately. Um, and that was Labour's uh, For the Many, Not the Few. For the Many, Not the Few. Uh, and that is what we're being told here about the gift of the Spirit. Uh, you see, in the Old Testament, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit was reserved for special people. Uh, Only a few instances, really, in the Old Testament. Um, People who were building the temple, uh, Moses and his elders, um, a funny one, Balaam, he got the spirit, Uh, Joshua and the judges, um, the kings and the prophets. Uh, Basically, uh, special people with very special jobs, they got the spirit, um, but no one else, sorry. Uh, But what we're told here is the Holy Spirit is God's gift to all Christians. Uh, Regardless of age, gender, class, nationality, political opinion, uh, the Spirit is for all people. Uh, Not a special extra gift uh, for the particular holy, for the particular mature, uh, but for all. And it's a gift for a particular time. Uh, What do we see in verse 17? Uh, And in the last days... The last days. Uh, This is that time between uh, Jesus' first coming and second coming. The gift of the Spirit for this particular time. To help us live now as we wait for Christ's return. So what does this mean uh, for us? If the Spirit really is for all Christian people. We expect to be empowered by the Spirit. Uh, Expect to be empowered to encourage others. That, it seems, in the New Testament is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit, to build up uh, the church. Expect to have opportunities to encourage others. Expect to have opportunities to serve. Expect to have opportunities to use your gifts to build others up. And this, we're told, is a new way of living, not a, a kind of dutiful obedience, but the Spirit frees us into joyful service. Expect that the Spirit will work in us to grow us and change us. But even there, expect a battle. Uh, We're told in the New Testament of this battle between the Spirit and the flesh. The Spirit would have us live one way. Our our old nature, our, our flesh, would have us live another. But expect, if you're a Christian here tonight, to be empowered by the Spirit. To serve him, to please him, to encourage God's people. You see, the Spirit's not just for uh, particular leaders or special people. It's for every Christian. He's for every Christian. So perhaps something to think about tonight. Well, how am I serving? How am I using the gifts I've been given? Am I growing? Because that's the work of the Spirit uh, in each one of us. For the many, not for the few. Here's the last thing. Uh, what's this all about? It's all about Jesus. You know, when we come to something like Pentecost, we um, can kind of try and phrase it in different ways. We sometimes talk about the birth of the church, um, the age of the Spirit, 
But, but however we look at it, this day is inextricably linked to Jesus. Uh, God planned it that way. Uh, we've got this uh, feast which is uh, 50 days from Passover, 50 days from Easter. We can't help but be drawn back to the events of Easter, to Jesus' death, resurrection and then ascension. But consider how this actually works out. Uh, what does uh, Joel say about the gift of the Spirit? Well, he talks about all things. He talks about um, all flesh receiving the Spirit and um, uh, prophesying, having visions, dreaming dreams. We'll see how that works out in the book of Acts. What's the first thing that Peter prophesies? It's there in verse 22. Uh, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. That's the first place he goes. Where does uh, Peter prophesy? He tells us about Jesus. He explains how Jesus is the one promised uh, from the Old Testament. What's prophecy about? It's about Jesus. Uh, What about vision? Uh, Come forward to Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter has this uh, really weird vision of uh, a a blanket coming down with all sorts of animals on. And it's weird. And then we're like, well, what does that mean? And, And Peter tells us, it means... The good news of the gospel is for Gentiles as well as, Greek, uh, as, uh, as well as Jews. What's the vision about? It's about the fact that Jesus is good news for everyone. Roll forward to Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're told Paul has a dream. Uh, what's his dream about? Uh, it's a man from Turkey saying, come over and share the good news of Jesus with us. We want to hear this good news about Jesus. See, whether it's prophecy, whether it's vision, whether it's dreams, here in Acts, it's all about telling people about Jesus. And we may think, well, isn't it about the birth of the church? Well, even if it is, we're told the Spirit is the one who holds the church together in unity, but who's the head? Jesus is the head of the church. What about this age of the Spirit? Is this a a new thing? Is God doing a new thing here? Well, uh, undoubtedly. But what do we see in Joel? What's the climax of this age of the Spirit? The climax isn't dreams, prophecy, vision. The climax is judgment and salvation on the day of the Lord. Uh, That's where Joel's uh, prophecy points us to. Who is the one who stands over judgment and salvation? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who holds the keys to the kingdom. He is the one who sits on the throne. You see, however we look at Pentecost, we can't help be forced to look to Jesus. And the Spirit wouldn't have it any other way. That is the work of the Spirit, to show us Jesus, to make us more like Jesus. So I want to say... Beware of things uh, concerning the Spirit, which would talk of uh, new moves of the Spirit. Sure, uh, God's always doing new things. But it's always the same thing. It's always pointing people to Jesus. Uh, There's no uh, new work of the Spirit that isn't, in some way or another, leading people to Jesus. Because that is where people need to go. Final thought on uh, the Spirit here. I want to just say, as we're meeting together as churches, uh, beware of pride. 
That was a real problem for the Corinthians. There's lots in uh, the church in Corinth about the Spirit. Uh, And one of the things they had a problem with was pride. Because they said, look at my church. Look how great it is. Uh, Look at my gifts. Look how wonderful they are. And they failed to see the gift of the Spirit in their lives as a means to encourage one another, to build one another, to point people to Jesus. But conversely, beware of envy. Look at their gifts. Wow, they're special. Look at their church. The Spirit's obviously moving there. I wish I had their gifts. That's not what the Spirit's trying to do. The Spirit's trying to uh, build the church, to build up Christians that we might uh, build up uh, one another. You see, ultimately the work of the Spirit is to, to point us to Jesus, to make us more like Jesus, to help us to understand Jesus' word, to help us prepare for Jesus' return, to help us to speak to others about just how wonderful Jesus is. And on a night like tonight, that we might encourage one another, that we might build up together Jesus' church. And we can't do it without the Spirit. See, all the things we're doing tonight, all the things that we'll be praying about, thinking about, it's only because the Spirit works in us to change us, to make us more like Jesus, to help us do this together.